Well, it's certainly good to see everybody who has made it out this morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak. Thankful for our visitors, as was already mentioned, and you're welcome back each and every time that we meet here. We're going to study uh, for a few minutes this morning about some certain things and what we should be thinking on and how to think on those things. And we're going to take our uh, passage from Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 for our text. It says there, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Synthache to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we have a command from God to rejoice always. And we need to know that Paul is writing this to the Philippians. And Paul is actually imprisoned during this time. And he's in a prison and he's telling us or he's telling them to rejoice regardless of the circumstance that you're in. Even while he is locked up. And that is very encouraging. We can be rejoicing no matter what life throws our way. And this is the kind of life uh, that... that you know, experiences joy in the middle of suffering or pain. And Paul says it again. Again, I say rejoice. And then he says, let your reasonableness or uh, some is transferred, uh, translated gentleness be known to everyone. So there's a way to be gentle even in the face of the injustice that Paul is experiencing at that moment. And he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that is a great promise. That is a wonderful promise that we are having. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want calm and peace and quiet and stillness and serenity that surpasses all understanding? So how do we get that? And in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And this is what I want to focus on this morning, which brings us to our first point. The battle for joy gentleness and peace in our life begins in our mind and he's using paul is using uh, battle language here because if we're honest with it joy and gentleness and peace don't necessarily come naturally to most of us 
Um, you know, what comes easily is not joy, but, you know, despair or distress or worry, uh, discouragement. Those are very easy tendencies to go towards. And when we're going through hard times, you know, when, we're, uh, when the diagnosis is not good or uh, when the circumstances in our life are getting worse around us, not better, joy is not natural. Distress, despair, and discouragement are. And we're going to go, and when we're going through some stressful times, we're always on edge. And gentleness is not easy when we're stressed out. And of course not. You know, we tend to snap at our kids or snap at our spouses. Uh, uh, we're short with them. We're insensitive with people around us. We speak before we think. And then we got to walk back some things that come out of our mouth. We're prone to be harsh or unkind and not gentle. Or, and when we're going through some of those situations, peace is not natural. Instead, worry and anxiety are. And if we put all this together, joy, peace, and gentleness don't come naturally at all. And the answer that God shows us uh, is the battle or the struggle begins in our minds. Joy and gentleness uh, and peace take place between our ears, what we're thinking about, how we approach it. We look at the command in Philippians 4.9 where Paul is uh, telling us, to do in order to rejoice and to be gentle and to experience, you know, otherworldly peace. He's telling us, think about certain or specific things. So we have to stop and think about specific things. What's going on between our ears, in our mind? So many times, you know, we don't uh, stop or slow down to consider what we're thinking about. And, you know, sometimes we become much, our thoughts are, are really where they're not supposed to be if we're not careful. So we, we want to uh, uh, be careful of that. So that brings us to our next point. What you think determines how you live. What you think, or what happens between your ears determines what happens in your life. And I want to uh, back this up with a few passages of Scripture. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, and this is talking about man. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is in Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then we have other commandments. Like in Romans 12, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. 2 Corinthians 10.15, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we see the relationship between thinking and acting. Our thoughts are to be taken captive to obey Christ. Romans 8 verses 5 through 6, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So how do we get life and peace? We set your mind on the Spirit. It's, what happen, it's what's happening in our mind that leads to life and peace. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. And this is a major theme in the book of Philippians. 
Um, if we look earlier in Philippians in, in chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. And that really begs the question, whose mind should we have? In the very next chapter, Philippians 2, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Look, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So the mind that we're called to have or to live with is the mind of Christ. And this is why in Philippians 3.19, again, we see in, in Philippians, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. This is talking about people or those who reject Christ, who reject to have the mind of Christ. This is what will happen to them. So I have a couple other examples uh, that I want to show that are, are really important. First, in Genesis chapter 3, this shows the story of how sin entered the world, uh, the disobedience of God, the first, the first sin. In, in Genesis 3, uh, verses 1 through 6, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of trees and of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in that day you, will, you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one, to make one uh, wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. So, where did the first sin begin? It wasn't when she ate the piece of fruit. It happened, actually, if we look back in verse 6, it says, so when, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. In other words, Satan was telling Eve, you'll be the determiner of what's good and bad. You're going to determine and be on the same plane as God if you... Uh, it's, not, it's up to you. It's not up to God. And, and, and the woman thinks about it and says, yeah, you know, that does sound like a good idea. That sounds great. I want to have the knowledge of God. I, I want to know what's good for me and what's not good for me. And then she took the fruit and ate. We need to see that our sin starts in our minds and then the action follows. I don't, know, I don't want us to miss that. Sin always starts in our mind. We think that our way is better than God's way. And we think that our thoughts are wiser than God's thoughts. And that's where sin begins. We fail to even think about what God, what His way is. So we either act without thinking about God's way or we act in direct disobedience to God's instructions. Either way, sin starts in our minds. Here's another example. 
in Matthew 6, 25 through 26. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they, are neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they are? So this is, this is Jesus' uh, resolve to being anxious. You know, how are we to, to get over anxiousness? And Jesus says, here's how. Look at the birds. Consider the birds. Think about birds. You know, I've studied this and now I've got a new respect for bird watchers. <laughs> you know, maybe they were on to God's commandments a long time before I was. But that's what God is saying. Look at these animals that I care for, that don't even harvest, that don't even plant food, that don't do any work, but I provide for them. And if we're thinking about that, then we think, well, I'm more important than a bird. God is going to provide for me. Why wouldn't he provide for me? According to God, thinking about certain things is the antidote to worry in this world. So our mind is a battleground and Satan wants every single one of us, every one of our minds to think in all kinds of unhealthy ways. Will I get into this school? Will I get into that school? How am I going to do on this test? Well, if I do get into college, what's my major going to be? Am I going to stick with that major? Once I get that major taken care of and graduate, am I going to get a job? You know, we think about the pandemic that we just went through. There were those who worried or still worry about maybe contracting the disease. And once they get the disease, are they going to get over it? So there's just so many things that can cloud our minds sometimes that we can worry about. And uh, if we, you know, we think about if we're not going to be good enough or smart enough or successful. Thoughts about how we don't look the way we want to look or things that we don't have that we want to have or... Thoughts about how we don't measure up as a mom or a father or a husband or wife. We all have these kind of thoughts at some point in our life. We all think, always, all of us think about these things. And people wonder, you know, sometimes is there something wrong with me because I have all these worries all the time? We all struggle. We all have a battle that takes place between our ears. We all have those thoughts that cause us to worry our hand and have anxiety. And when we have those thoughts and when we're worried, we tend to. Like I said, be short and snap uh, with those who are most precious to us. We're being shown here by Paul, who is inspired by God, that there's a way to stop these thoughts and a way to stop the worries. And the way is to think about certain things. In other words, we have a choice on what we think about. We make that decision. Like Jesus said, look at the birds. We have to stop worrying and think differently from the way that we are typically prone to do. Another point I want to make is we don't always have a choice in our circumstances, but we do have a choice in our thoughts amidst those circumstances. In many circumstances, we do not have a choice, but in many of them, you know, we, we do. Even then, even when we don't have a choice in our circumstance, we have a choice in our thoughts while we're going through those situations. So I want to make this point when, when I'm, what I'm going to say here next. I'm talking specifically to those who are, are Christians 
who are following Jesus because Jesus is the one who really makes this a truth in our lives. Nothing else can. Only Jesus can. And this, by the way, you know, by the way, is why self-help, you know, self-empowering uh, books or those who talk about, you know, you can be a better person. Just think about yourself in a different way. You know, think about how you want to be successful. You know, those, those don't work. Those are futile. That is incomplete. Uh, you know, you can, you can be a, a better version of yourself. And that's, uh, you know, we can think about the phrase that we've heard about sometimes, you are what you think, a, frame, a phrase that sometimes is coined by philosophers or higher thinkers um, or life coaches, which I don't understand life coaches sometimes. And I don't know. Hopefully there's nobody here who's life coach. That'd be a little awkward. <laughs> but our life coach is Jesus. That's who our life coach is. That's who we should follow. Uh, anyway, these people that, that coined those phrases, you know, they like to take credit for these things. When in fact, God thought about this stuff way before they did. 2,000 years ago, God is telling us, you know, what to think about, how to feel and get through worry and anxiety. The Bible calls us, does not call us to be a better version of ourselves at all. The Bible calls us to be an entirely new version of ourselves. The old man is past. The new man will be uh, what we will be. In Mark 8.34, it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The Bible calls us to die to ourselves, experience an entirely new life in Jesus, and following him. And we now have... Uh, not a better version of our minds, but an entirely new mind of Christ, the mind of Christ that we are, a totally different mind. So when we think or when we choose to follow Jesus, we are no longer subject or enslaved to the worldly ways of thinking. We are enslaved to the way that God or Christ wants us to think. We noticed in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, which says, Take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I want us to understand the context of that verse, because if we look at verse 4 in, first, or in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, Therefore the weapons of our warfare are not, not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And then in verse 5 it says, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we need to see what this is saying, what this is Telling us, it's telling us that the battle between our, our ears, us who are Christians, all who are in Christ, we have spiritual weapons to destroy strongholds of thoughts and arguments and opinions and destructive patterns of thinking that go against God's word. We have that power. We have that. We have the mind of Christ helps us get through those things that we come up against sometimes. When we begin to think or, or uh, get down into uh, uh, loneliness or we have a choice to stop, shift our mind to the fellowship that we have in Christ and in Christ's body. When we begin to think and spiral down into discouragement or despair, you have an option or a choice to stop and shift your mind towards hope and faith. When you begin to think or spiral down into pride, including concern or preoccupation, preoccupation of what others may think of you or how you are perceived, you have a choice to shift your mind to humility 
and preoccupation with what God thinks of you, not what others think of you. So we need to stop also thinking about what others think about you and think about what God says about you. Think about what God says about everything, of course. And don't think about you know, what the doctor or the news or any of those think tanks uh, are saying about the future. Think about what God says about the future. We don't always have a choice in our circumstance, but we always have a choice in our thoughts during those circumstances. One word I want to notice here is the word that uh, it actually uh, is one word for the group of words that we're studying about. The, the, word, the group of words is think about these things. And the, the Greek word for that is, is logizomia. And that is an English word we get uh, and we form the word logarithm from this word. And that is a complex mathematical equational problem. The kind of thing that requires prolonged thought prolonged contemplation. And this is the kind of thinking that God is telling us to hear, to have prolonged thinking on specific things, to fixate our mind on certain things. And we know what it's like to fixate our mind on of something. You know, we've all been around the somebody who gets a, on a health kick or fixating their minds on certain things or what they're eating or exercising and likes to let everybody know uh, what they're fixating about. And that's all they talk about. And we can fixate our mind on a certain person, such as we can't get them out of our mind. We fixate our, our mind on work to a point to where we can't put our phone or our email down, checking. We just can't get it out of our mind. We can also fixate our mind on sports games or video games to the point where we can't stop thinking about it. We can fixate our mind on news so that we're constantly looking for the latest update when we have a free moment. We want to pull out our phone just to see what we may have missed. We can fixate our mind on social media in the same way, constantly looking for the latest post or the latest video. And we can pass just countless hours scrolling mindlessly through things when we're not fixating our minds on the things that Christ wants us to fixate our minds on. We can really not pay attention to the most important things around us and most important people in our lives around us. There are all kinds of things in this world that we're prone to fixate our minds on. And in the middle of it all, God is telling us, fixate your mind on these things. Consume yourself with them over and above everything else. So the list that the Bible gives us here is very, uh, pretty comprehensive. Uh, he uses the word whatever, six times and then he says if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy meditate or think on these things think about ponder consider fixate our minds on whatever is true if the battle for joy gentleness and peace in our life begins in our minds then the battle begins with believing that which is true we will not have joy, gentleness, or peace in our life if we believe what, that which is untrue. So we have to think about what is true. We remember Adam and Eve, sinner entered the world and destroyed their lives when they believed that what was not true about God. And, and, and uh, we have to make sure what we're believing or thinking is true. So much worry or anxiety or despair or distress is grounded in lies about who God is and lies about who we are, lies about other people around us 
and lies that fill the world around us. And God is telling us to fix our mind on truth. Reading and meditating on God's word every day is vital because every day one of us is just enamored with millions of messages that are not true. And if, the God, if God's word is guiding our thoughts, we will inevitably be controlled or conformed, not controlled, but conformed to the pattern of this world. On news or social media and articles we read or, or posts that we see, they all seem to picture people in the world in ways that are not true, either negative or positive. So we just need to ask ourselves the question, does this thought come from God or not? Stopping and asking ourselves that question will help us in our daily Christian life. Fixate your mind, whatever is true, then fixate your mind on whatever is noble or honorable. And this word honorable, uh, uh, noble, is also translated dignified. And the picture here is basically something that we think of in a, on a higher plane. You know, we want to think higher than some of the thoughts that we're prone to think about. Sometimes, you know, we think about some, uh, you know, things that we really shouldn't be thinking about. Uh, you know, fr that are not meaningful, that are frivolous, that just don't have any point to them. You know, we're being told here in these passages to think about higher things. Think, think about things that are going to matter forever. Think about those things. Whatever is just. We want to fix our minds, whatever is just and right and good for people according to God. Not according to our definition of right and good, but according to God's definition of right and good. Fixate our mind on justice in these ways. Think, are these thoughts right, fair, impartial, unjust for and about others? Fixate our mind on whatever is pure. Think about pure motives, pure desires, pure words, pure thoughts. Pure truth. And this, you know, this can go into so many different facets of our lives, you know, including sexual impurity. Flee any and all sexual thought outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. <coughs> Fixate your mind on sexual purity, moral purity, and on purity in worship, purity in work, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Think about how the Bible describes love in 1 Corinthians 13. Think about or ponder or fixate our mind on whatever is patient and kind and humble, not that which is envious, boastful, arrogant, or rude, self-centered, irritable, or resentful. Have nothing to do with those thoughts. We need to fix, fixate our mind on what is lovely. Again, think to ourselves, is the thought that I'm having a lovely thought? Whatever is commendable or admirable, Think about, uh, we can think about it this way. You know, would, would you commend a particular thought to somebody that you're having? The thought that you're having, are you going to recommend somebody else to have that kind of thought about something? And then also, of course, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy. And this is what I love about this list. It is so comprehensive. God knows exactly what he's doing when he inspired Paul to write these. You know, we may be prone to think about justice. You know, we're thinking that we're just, but if it's not true, it's not just. Or we may be prone to think about what we would say is lovely, but if it's not true, then it's not lovely. Or we may be prone to think about what we think, uh, or, or excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
when you put all these together, we have a picture of excellence that God has provided for us to live by, to think on. A picture of thoughts that are praiseworthy. Fix our minds on these things. And this, of course, requires discipline to stop and think about what you're thinking about. Incredibly important for our Christian lives. A lot of the Christian life and faith is thinking. If, we, if we're, It's choosing to remove the bad thoughts from our mind and replacing them with the thoughts that Paul is instructing us to have here. So sometime this day, today or this week, I want us to ask ourselves certain questions as we go through our, our, uh, our week. We can ask ourselves, in what specific ways do I need to replace untrue thoughts with true thoughts? What are some things that we are prone to do or to think that are not true, and how can we replace them with what, what is true? What is true and what is not true in the way that I am thinking right now? In what specific ways do I need to replace dishonorable thoughts with honorable thoughts? In what specific ways do I need to replace unjust thoughts with just thoughts? In what specific ways do I need to replace impure thoughts with pure thoughts? Take a look at our life around us. You can say, what is pure? What is impure? Think about our motives, our desires, our aims. In what specific ways do I need to replace unlovely thoughts with lovely thoughts? What would be categorized as lovely in your mind? How can, how can we make sure that we are thinking about those things? In what specific ways do I need to replace uncommendable thoughts with commendable thoughts? We picture somebody else maybe stepping into our mind. What would, be, would, it, would they be discouraged or would they be encouraged if they took a look into our mind? Replace those uncommendable thoughts with that which would be good for them. And if other people were thinking these thoughts, they would be edified, built up, and encouraged. They would be growing and thriving in their relationship with Christ if we were thinking those thoughts and they could see them. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.